This is Adventure Seekers Welcome, Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards Tolerated. I'm your host, Rain Law, the author of the Mystic Dreamwalker series. And coming up today, we have a quote from Eckhart Tolle, one of my favorite philosophers. It is in stillness that we save and transform the world. What can we glean from Eckhart's statement? It seems to me that living in the now is what Eckhart is famous for, and to do so, one has to have a certain mindfulness, a stillness that is achieved to have that introspection, to focus on things as they are happening, and not to be caught up in the past or wondering about the future. Although we shouldn't disregard the past and We should look forward toward the future, and by looking at the past and where you are now, and living in the now, you can at least get a general feeling of the direction that you're going, thereby saving the world, or at least your little portion of it. Next, we're coming into mind and body, and it just so happens that by looking at mind and body today, we are going to be Um, taking a deeper look into that little inner voice that we have to combat, some of us more so than others. That little voice that tells us that we're not enough. I know that students of mine have told me for years that they're flexible, yes, but they might not be um, skilled or able to perform a certain technique or another. And then we also come across students in the course of our lifetimes that are very strong and maybe not all that flexible. And they too feel like they're not enough. They have not the skill to pull off some maneuvers and they're confounded by how weaker and slower people can sometimes penetrate their defenses And this makes them feel that they need to be stronger. And that's not necessarily true. Everyone has their talents and strengths, but one strength and one talent can't actually cover everything. There's a multitude of areas that we have to develop, but we can perfect what we're really good at. But we should also investigate these other areas. And that's what martial art training really does. Not only does it examine the punching, the kicking, the grappling, and the checking, hands, trapping, whatever you want to refer to it as, and uh, hand-to-hand combat weapons. Together, all of these things make the martial art system, in Tokushikimpo at least, but it seems to me that this is true in other arts as well. You can see many of the, especially Asian martial arts, spend a great deal of time covering all of these areas. Where, if you look at Savat, it runs pretty close. They have the Boxe Francaise, pardon my French. And they have uh, grappling, uh, wrestling, and the punching and kicking. And they have, at least when I had studied it briefly, the cane. Lacane, I believe, 
was a reference. And so it did have uh, that whole same spectrum that you would find in uh, Tokushi Kempo. And then again, you also might see the same if you would examine some of the other martial arts. So in between the East and the West, both the East and the West had to contend with other human beings. Therefore, we're going to have a lot of similarities, and there's a psychological element that is needed to be addressed, no matter what art you study. And stillness is one of the best ways to delve into this. Coming up next is Art Chat. And in our Art Chat, we're looking at how not only martial arts, but other arts have this same type of introspection that's needed to form our creativity, our daily practice in strumming our guitar or playing any other musical instrument, including the harmonica and even the cowbell, requires some introspection and a connection to what really is meaningful to us. Whether we're learning a new song or practicing the scales or something as simple as warming up, drawing shapes with our pencil. Even the simple act of calligraphy reveals things about ourselves. I remember working with an FBI handwriting analyst expert, and I was amazed at what handwriting reveals. I know that some of the areas that she had pointed out to me from observing my handwriting helped change and correct things within myself that needed addressed. It's now time for a haiku. This one is titled, Inner Eye. We are not enough. This is the lie we all face when we look inward. And now we come to our Did You Know segment. And today we're going to start with 1843. Frank James, who just happened to be the elder brother of the more famous Jesse James, was born on this date in 1843. As most of you probably know, Frank and Jesse James began their career in crime, working for the government, the local government being the Confederacy. Then, after the war, they continued pursuing the same thing on a private level. But these boys from Missouri, or Missouri, depending on who you're asking, all of my wife's relatives that live in Missouri pronounce it Missouri, so they must know. They got famous for robbing trains and banks and supposedly getting killed violently. At least Jesse James was killed violently, and supposedly by Robert Ford, a man that had worked with Jesse. But that is up to the conspiracy theorists to settle and figure out. We know that Frank left crime and for the next 30 years abstained from it because the government can't stand the competition. Well, anyhow, he went on and became a showman uh, with some of his partners from the James Younger gang, and they had a Wild West show, and he lived to a ripe old age of 72. Frank James, I believe, was still alive when crude oil was struck in Texas. That would have been back in 
1901, and a geyser was struck that poured at least 100,000 gallons of oil into the atmosphere and onto hundreds of yards of ground all around for the next nine days. And that was 100,000 gallons per day. And this started the world's first trillion-dollar industry. Up until this time, oil was used primarily as a lubricant and for kerosene lanterns. But after this event, oil began to be used in just about everything. First, trains, planes, and automobiles. Eventually, ships that only ran on coal before were all using this liquid fuel. And then, our pharmaceutical industry began to also rely on petrochemicals. And, of course, the war machine relied very heavily on this industry. And in 1920, after World War I, the war to end all wars, Woodrow Wilson, the U.S. president, before he was struck down with his illness, had a 14-point plan to help prevent this from ever happening again. And by 1920, a League of Nations was formed. 42 countries around the world helped form the League of Nations, but I don't believe they followed Wilson's plan. And I think that there was a good chance that all that really happened with the formation of the League of Nations is a nice way for countries to get together to decide how they were going to start their next wars. After all, if you invest wisely, you can make money off of both sides of a conflict. And by 1946, the first meeting of the UN, which, as we all know, has done little to stop any other conflicts from arising. But on a happy note, petroleum is no longer the only trillion-dollar business in the world. And to think, in Sarajevo, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand started World War One, and this was the foundation for most of the calamities that the world has faced thereafter. I can only suggest that you look inward and hopefully find some peace. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by joining me on Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash Randlaw with no space between the Rand and the law. I have no weapons, but a weapon can be made. Knowledge of her power. Tokushi Kimpo. You have been listening to Adventure Seekers Welcome, Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards Tolerated. Once again, I am Ryan Law reminding you to follow your dreams.